Hi, everybody. <laughs> My name's Gail, and I'm speaking to you today. Um, what can I pray before I start? More for my sake than yours. <laughs> Father, Mother God, I ask that you would speak through me, well up in me. Um, I pray that my ego would be out of the way so my true self can shine through that you, the way you made me. pray that you give us all ears to hear what you wanna, want us to hear. <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so we're going to start with a little bit of a meditation. How many in here meditate? Cool. Okay, so there's some of us. Uh, so it might be a little weird, but uh, just follow what I say. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be short. It won't be too long. But uh, just to start, start off our time together today. So close your eyes. Put your hands on your knees. Open palms. Just let your breath be normal. Notice it. Notice the sensations around you. Notice your your body pressing into the chair beneath you. The sounds around you. Now kind of pull your focus more inward toward your breath and just focus on your breath. Kind of in your mind, just as you breathe in, say, I'm breathing in, not out loud, just inside. I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. The fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. As your eyes are closed, I want you to pick one of those fruits of the Spirit that you feel you want more of, you want to manifest more of in your life. And as that word comes to your mind, just sort of let it float in front of your consciousness, in front of your face, and focus on it as you breathe. And I want you, as you breathe in, breathe in spirit, breathe out that fruit of the spirit. Spirit, love. Spirit, joy. And do that for a couple more seconds. Bring your, bring your attention back to your breath. And just take one deep breath in and out. Bring your attention back to the room, the sensations around you, and open your eyes. Was that difficult for any of you? Did you have a hard time focusing? Yeah? Anybody? <laughs> So that was a short, you know, I mean, that was probably like two, two and a half minutes maybe. 
Um, can we pull those scriptures up? Uh, do we have those scriptures available? Okay, so we're kind of going to focus on these scriptures today. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and to invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found. Who? What's it say? Both bad and good. And the next one? The Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them, People can't observe the kingdom of God. They can't say, Here it is, or there it is. You see, the kingdom of God is within you. Next one. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest, he said to them. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. As I share today, I really want you guys to keep in mind that this is like just a way that God has been breaking out of the boxes that I've built for him in my life today. I imagine that through the rest of my life, he'll continue to break out of all the boxes that I keep trying to build around him. But this is how it's happening for me today. Um, (laughs) How many of you grew up with sort of the phrase of... uh, God or holiness and sin cannot occupy the same space. Yeah, I grew up with that. Um, It was a key perspective for me throughout my life that I, how I viewed myself in relation to God. I thought and behaved like God was a person or a force that was outside of me, that existed separate from me. And I always had a really hard time reconciling my own depravity, as I was told, with the idea that God could take residence up inside of my heart. I wanted so badly for God to feel fully welcome in, in me, like fully welcome in me, fully embodied in me. And I spent so much of my life, because I saw myself as depraved, um, I spent so much of my life focusing on all of the areas in my heart that I saw to be ugly, sinful, and repulsive to God. I tried to cut them off from myself, you know, uh, hoping to make room for God to take up more residence in my heart. And, you know, because if, if God were in me at all, I imagined him sort of walking around the rooms inside of my heart telling me about the ugly decorations I had in certain rooms and which rooms needed renovations and which rooms needed the walls replaced and like an assessor, you know, of the areas in my life where I just hadn't quite yet hit the mark for him to be able to fully feel at home. Um, So it was easier for me. It felt more realistic to me that God existed in heaven, which was out here, and... I existed here on earth, and I even lived like the Holy Spirit was something that, like a well that I went to to drink from to empower myself, rather than this bubbling up thing that was deep inside of me. I would have said that it was grace, but often it has been 
my sense of unworthiness that has driven me to live a good life. Um, I saw grace defined for me as, as unmerited favor. And I understood God's love as something that was granted to me in spite of me. And I condemned all the aspects of myself that, that, that I saw were getting in the way of God's love. And I would ignore them and shut them out and just try to leave them behind. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> the problem was, and is, all of these parts are a part of me. The abused little girl weeping in the corner, the porn-addicted teenager turned woman who is in search of intimacy but no apparent way to break through the wall of pain, the woman who sees her body and her sexuality as broken and dirty, beyond hope of repair, love, or celebration, the angry wife and mother who can't find a way through her feelings of guilt for not being the Proverbs 31 woman that I was told I should be. The codependent woman who has no idea how to be alone. The judgmental fundamentalist who thinks that she's got God all figured out and why can't everybody see it the way she does already. All of these pieces of myself and so many others are pieces that I had no interest in inviting to the whole of who I am. I had no interest in having compassion for them. I judged them. I wanted them gone. I, I even saw some of them like demons that needed to be exercised and actually went through exorcisms to get rid of them. Inviting them to the table was wasn't even close to something that I would have considered. It wouldn't have made any sense to me. And then we moved from Chicago to Los Angeles about a year and a half ago. That decision was catalyzed by an invitation to join friends in their decision to relocate out here and maybe start a church. We felt an unmistakable, I would even say a divine pull to this strange and wondrous land. <laughs> and once we made the move, we started to see all kinds of things fall into place um, that confirmed that we made the right decision. A place to stay while we got our feet on the ground, a job that was provided through a friend at a church we were attending at the time, a house that went up for rent that was exactly what we needed, for our family and a school for the kids that helped them to transition into living life out here. All of these things served as tethers to help me stay put because the pain of the grief of leaving all that I knew, all that I thought, all the ways that I had clung to uh, was felt like too much to bear. And when the possibility of the church plant fell apart, I was left going, why the hell are we here then? And uh, those tethers, those evidences, helped me to know that God was somehow working, even though I couldn't see how, because inside I felt like I was totally falling apart. And one of those pieces of evidence happened to me when I was attending a college reunion of sorts last year. 
and I reconnected with a friend and a roommate that I had in college 20, 20 some years ago. Um, and I shared with her about how we felt led to move out here, and she shared with me about some of her life, and she ended up, I ended up finding out that she was a therapist. Now, I've been through lots and lots of therapy in my life. I love it. Um, <laughs> but the way that she worked seemed different to me, weird even, and I couldn't shake it after I met with her. I was like, eh, something about the way that she talked about how she does her work that makes me think it's something I should do. Um, couldn't shake it, so I made the call, and I found myself at my first appointment, and it was during that appointment that I got reacquainted, quite literally, with the little girl inside of me that I had abandoned for as long as I can remember. I saw her in front of me in this session, and I talked to her out loud, and I cried out loud, and it was painful and weird and good. And I knew that I was on to some path that was right. And I started to really allow all the questions and the doubts that I had that had always been there, and even ways that I thought about things that were kind of in contradiction or opposition to some of the systems that had been built around me. I allowed those things to start to manifest about my faith, myself, how I viewed the church. I started listening to podcasts like The Liturgists and Be Here Now and The Deconstructionists and Theology Now and all these things that like really celebrated doubt and challenge and deconstruction and all of those things that I was going through. And I felt like they truly validated and celebrated my doubts and allowed room for my, my wings to spread. You know, and for me to be able to like explore these aspects of my spirituality that I had not had the courage to fully explore before we moved here. And on that journey over this past year, there have been times when I didn't know, I didn't know anything of what I believed anymore. I didn't even know if I believed <laughs> at times. I'm going to read to you an entry my journal. There's something happening in our faith journey since we moved here, and I today am feeling very anxious about it. It's like moving here has allowed the freedom for our doubts, frustrations, wounds from our church experiences growing up, um, from my own childhood to come to the surface. On one hand, it feels freeing and exciting because I think that we've never really been as real and honest like this. On the other hand, it really scares me because I wonder where it will lead. It's incredibly uncomfortable to have all, well, some core ideas that I thought were my thoughts about God and how I'm supposed to interact with him be challenged, or to admit my doubts about those things. To have the answer is all I've ever wanted my whole life. To know it so that I might be healed, truth be told. Have I ever wanted the truth simply to share the truth? But what time I have wasted looking outward, trying so hard to find the answer and the fix, how much I've scorned the journey and missed the treasures 
along the way. Feed my sheep. But I'm so far right now from the mountaintop experience, Lord. I feel like I'm next to the fire while you suffer, being asked if I know you. And I'm not sure today what to say. I say, I thought I knew you. I knew you once. I'm learning to know you. I thought I did. And then I followed you out here. (laughs) And now where have you gone? Who have you become? You look different in this light. I never noticed the angle of your nose before. I missed that shade of gray in your robes. And in this light, I can hardly see your face. But I know you're speaking to me. It's unmistakable that you're speaking to me. In me. Something is changing inside of me. I am between the old and the new, with the vulnerable, empty space of transition under my feet, feeling like any moment I'll fall, not knowing when the new will peek out from the crust of the earth. The hardest thing in all the world is to say, I don't know. But that's the truth. I don't know. I stayed in the pain and the tension of that. I let the doubts drive me to the innermost parts of myself that I had judged and rejected for so long. I began to listen to people like Richard Rohr. Guys, Richard Rohr is awesome. Um, Who, coupled with my therapist guidance, he helped me to understand the importance of embracing the paradoxes of life and spirituality, particularly those that I found inside of myself. He encouraged me to keep going inward, to keep pursuing the non-dual mind of Christ so I could truly and healthily process my deep questions. I began pursuing practices like meditation and contemplative prayer that helped me to see clearer the pieces of myself that I had rejected for so long. Aspects of myself that I realized didn't need to be cut off or to die, but to be invited to the table to be given attention, love, compassion, and tenderness. I began to look inside and see God right inside of me. He had been there all along. Richard Rohr says, In a silent posture of self-emptying, we let go of habitual thoughts and sensations and connect with an inner witness, God's presence within that gazes back at ourselves and out at reality with an abiding love. Contemplation is learning how to offer a long, loving look at the real, capital R. St. Teresa of Avila says, For the most part, all our trials and disturbances come from our not understanding ourselves. The wedding feast is ready. Go to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find, both bad and good. If you look further in that story, you find that the host discovers an imposter who isn't dressed, whoops, who isn't dressed appropriately for the wedding, and he throws him out. I think that that's what we do when we don't integrate ourselves, the good and the bad inside of us, when we put on errors, looking ever outward to avoid the pain that's going on inside of us. We pretend who we are, 
because we don't know who we are. And our experience then becomes very much one of being on the outside of the kingdom. Because if the kingdom of heaven is in you, and if you aren't willing to go inside, you'll miss the experience of it. I am coming to believe very much that if we reject ourselves in any way, we reject Jesus himself. The least of these begins with the least in us. Richard Rohr says, if God can receive me, who am I to not receive myself, warts and all? And if we look at those Matthew 22 verses about loving our neighbor as ourselves, how can we possibly expect to love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves, all of ourselves? Whole people create whole people. Divided people heal nobody but they only scatter because they are scattered and unwhole themselves. Richard Rohr. But it's not an easy thing to do. I entertained this idea of journeying inward and inviting all aspects of myself to the table, and I was met with a massive amount of fear. I thought that if I did this, the rage and the pain and the anger and the doubt and the sin would all completely take over if they were given a voice. And I would be totally lost. And in some ways, it did get worse before it got better. It's kind of the nature of going through the darkness, right? Much of the past year has been a dark night of the soul for me. Doing this work made me realize how much of what I thought was loving people was really just a way for me to feel better about myself. Not that those things were not good or used of God or... But being pulled away from all of the work for the kingdom that I was doing made me realize how little that I loved myself, how little I knew myself, and how I lived mostly in reaction to the world around me and its expectations. Can I say that I really believe this is vital for us today, particularly in our current political climate? If we do not do this inner contemplative work, in my opinion, we become people who just live in reaction to the world around us and who mirror the things that we are fighting against. Can you see that in yourself? It's easier for us to live lives that stand over and above everybody else rather than living in love But if we start by going inward, finding the kingdom of heaven within, understanding that God lives here and always, always has, we can go outward then and see God in everything and in everyone. Everyone. When we live in opposition to ourselves and to others, We circle the wagons around the externals and the non-essentials, and the first thing to go is anything interior or as subversive as your own ego, as is contemplation. That's what Richard Rohr says. Of course, this is precisely what is essential for true transformation. This work, guys, is transforming me, and I have so far to go, (laughs) but it's working I have more compassion and love on myself, and I listen to what is behind those pieces of myself, what they really need. 
I'm finding the ability to listen to and love others better. I can see deeper inside of those around me to understand that God resides in everyone I look at. I'm better able to hold the good and the bad intention, knowing that somehow all of it belongs. I'm able to see more of my true self by going through the pain of all my smaller selves. It's also transforming how I see many of the scriptures where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. The woman searching for her lost coin, the shepherd for the lost sheep, the yeast hidden within the dough. If the kingdom of heaven truly begins with us, eternity planted in our hearts, what does that do for how we read Christ's words? This journey inward is really difficult, I'm not going to lie. It's painful and it's a slow opening of the eyes to true liberation. But I think it's more important than anything anything that I ever thought possible. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything, I think, really does hang on these things. They're like an infinity symbol. One cannot exist without the other. They are completely and totally connected. Mirabai Star said, Maybe the most difficult stranger to welcome is the one who lives inside of us. If the journey inward is truly the journey to God, and if this journey of transformation is what will ultimately transform the world, it makes a whole lot of sense that it feels like the hardest thing that we can do, like pulling a camel through the eye of a needle. I want to end with um, another meditation. Yay! (laughs) This one's a little, I mean, we did a little bit of the somatic, but this one's a little bit more visualization. I want you to think about that word that you brought to mind earlier, that one of those fruits of the Spirit that you brought to mind. Okay. Close your eyes. Lay your hands out on your knees, open-handed. It's just a posture of being willing to open and receive and let go. Just tune into your breath. Now I want you to imagine that you're standing in front of your own heart. And your heart has a door. I want you to imagine that the door of your heart is opening up before you, inviting you in. And I want you to walk in.
And as you walk in, you notice that it's Jesus standing there who has opened the door for you. And he invites you in. And he points to a table in the room. And sitting at that table are aspects of you, pieces of you, the parts of you that you and others have rejected, have tried to shut down, the parts of you that maybe bring you shame, that have hurt or judged others or yourself the parts you're trying to leave behind. And then Jesus sits down at the table with them and invites you to sit there as well. Can you sit there? Is it hard to sit down with them? Just notice how you're responding. Now I want you to just pick one of those aspects. Maybe there's only one. Pick one of those aspects that you feel drawn to. And I want you to put that aspect of yourself in front of you. And that word that you chose of the fruit of the Spirit, this aspect of yourself deserves to be, needs to be showered in that whether it's love, joy, peace. And as you breathe in, I want you to imagine that the Spirit of God is above your head, and I want you to breathe the Spirit of God in to the center of your heart. And as you breathe out, I want you to breathe that characteristic of God out to that person and imagine that it's surrounding them in in light, the light of God that comes from within you. And just keep doing that for a few minutes. Breathing in the Spirit of God, that quality of God, and breathing that out to that aspect of you that needs you. That needs your love, that needs your attention. Welcome this stranger inside of you. Maybe notice what that aspect of you is doing, how it's responding. Now bring yourself back to your breath and the room. Open your eyes. Some of the tools that I use to help me on that, this kind of a journey, one is therapy. <laughs> um, I, I do 
do contemplative prayer, which is kind of what we did at the beginning. You're praying on a word that makes you think of God, meditating on a word like that. This sort of somatic meditation helps to make real some of the things inside and keeps us centered while we're doing it. I read books. Um, I highly recommend Richard Rohr's books. This one is a fantastic one, The Gift of Contemplative Prayer. Everything belongs. Um, Thank you guys for listening to my story and for participating in it through the meditations. I think we're going to have some time to just kind of discuss and Q&A, you know, like we normally do, we do like a Q&A thing after the sermon and people just kind of talk about what's coming up for you or what's, what you're pissed about, <laughs> whatever, uh, what you disagree with, what you agree with, so. First of all, I'm so happy that you shared. Oh, um, thanks. I have a similar story to yours where, um, I started going to therapy, and not only did I understand my family, my past, my history, but I started to understand myself, and I started to understand my relationship with God, and all the things that I was um, unhealthily playing out with God from my own family and from my own past. And it was the most beautiful and wonderful transformation that happened. Everyone thinks I got liberal in seminary, or everyone thinks that I changed in seminary, and it's true in some ways, but it was mainly because of my experience of therapy. And now that's not the end-all, be-all. There, right. there are pros right. and cons, and now I make a living doing the same thing. I'm a therapist, and oh, cool. <laughs> I now sit with clients and not only help them understand their family and their past, but... Um, help them be compassionate with themselves and um, help them see that the, what their relationship with God is like. And it's really hard. Yeah. Some, so some of my clients are Christians, and so that's how it comes up. But it's really hard, but it's, and it's painful, but it's a beautiful... It, now that being on the other side of it, being the therapist of it, it is the most amazing thing to watch, like, to be with somebody in that, even though it's painful, but to just simply be with them through it. Um, So, yeah, thank you for sharing. I think this is, like, my number one passion in life, the things Mm. that you were saying, holding the good and the bad together um, and being compassionate to ourselves um, and seeing us how God actually sees us as opposed to how we see ourselves, which is usually a lot worse. Um, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. What's your name? I'm Ashley. Thanks, Ashley. So you handle it. <laughs> I just want to clarify, too. I, you know, therapy has been a huge uh, thing for me, tool for me. And, I, and it is hard to go inward. It is hard to face those aspects of yourselves. And, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary always that therapy is, like, a part of that process. So I don't want you to walk away thinking, like, oh, i got to go out and find a therapist now. Like, I am just saying that, like, find tools that help you to do that work. And some of, sometimes it's reading. I, I think community is absolutely 100% important. 
when you're doing that kind of work. Like you have to, it helps you to realize how much we need each other, you know. So you do it with support around you, but you know, find practices that fill your soul that help you to move through those painful aspects. You know, therapy might be one of them, but could just be going for walks in nature or yoga or, you know. So, anybody else? Keep wanting to grab the mic. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason. Hi, Jason. Really appreciated uh, the teaching to share today. Um, as I've been in this church a couple years now, and, and I feel like in my experience too, that journey inward has been as much a part of the journey of faith as going from a more conservative, intellectually based theology to a more progressive one. And I feel like, and I'm just speaking for myself. Without that inner uh, transformation and journey, I'm not able to, I'm not capable to love in the way that we're encouraged here in this church. So I really appreciate your voice. And I don't think that it's intentionally avoided our silence, but it's really a good reminder that to get where we're trying to get in our journey of faith and live out these, these principles and convictions, like this self-journey is indispensable. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I don't like microphones. <laughs> um, I was just—I just wanted to say, like, to, to your speaking about like the therapy being one aspect of your journey. Like, yeah. I've found a lot of different practices to do very similar things, and yeah. it's just so nice to hear another person on that journey. And just like, like I was resisting being like, <laughs> so um, I saw your head out there. Going, yeah, it was like, yeah. oh yes. Um, so it's just it's it's awesome to hear that in this context too because I've had like small groups of people who like we've kind of you know discussed this kind of stuff but it's just it's nice to hear it and it's like there's so many like I've done like intuitive painting and yoga and like all of this stuff just feeds into this this journey with God and it's it's cool because a lot of the contexts I do it in it's not really a religious context but it has that like it's such a like dense aspect for me so it's cool to hear that same journey from that perspective yes it's really nice so just yeah well and I think too like it's like you start to realize God is in everything you know God is in those practices it doesn't have to be inside of a church building God's in those practices and he's a part of everything that you do because he's part of you (laughs) you know I mean he's he's within you so and it's also awesome like hearing like Richard Rohr and then hearing you speak and then there's like people like Peter Rollins who I'm like into and you know just like it's it's cool hearing this coming like this kind of synergy uh, about this kind of practice and this way of looking at relating to God and to ourselves yeah it's just exciting well thank you Jesus thank you that you are that you really are alive inside of us. And I just ask that you would, God, help us to walk away from today um, and just that you bring to mind the things that you want us to take away from this um, and that we wouldn't ignore the inner voice inside of us that is trying to get attention and that we would pay attention to it and care for ourselves because it's caring for you. In Jesus' name, amen.